Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analysing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective, and today we're looking at chapter 17 and 18 of Breaking Dawn. AKA the last of the Jacob chapters. Can I get a yeehaw? Oh, I'm so excited about that. I don't know why there was this trend for these sorts of like YA books where there would be a switched up POV in the final entry of a series because Allegiant, which I'm covering over on the Patreon, patreon.com slash breaking down bad books if you want access. There's an alternating POV thing over there too with four and Tris just taking turns. Never used to be like that, but then the last book in the series, these authors, they just want to pop off and put in another POV and it's like, okay, sure. So where we left off, Jacob threw a dog dish at Rosalie's head, which was hilarious. Leah was telling us that she's a genetic dead end and that's why no one will imprint on her because, oh boy, because she might be infertile. So there was a, there was a lot to unpack there. And then Bella started introducing Renesmee as the baby name and everyone was getting all excited for the baby names, except for me, I was feeling uh, disgusted. And then Edward starts to hear the baby's thoughts. And so Jacob, he's getting so angry, so outraged because Edward, his ally in this whole situation is now fallen in love with the kid. So he's pissed off. So Edward threw him his car keys and said, Jacob, go, you got to get out of here, Jake. Go take my car, go for a joyride, which is so dumb. It's like, oh my God, Edward Cullen saving the day, lending someone a car, even though this is a guy that can transform into a wolf and just run around the forest. Okay, so he's got a car now. And so this chapter is titled, What Do I Look Like? The Wizard of Oz? You need a brain? You need a heart? Go ahead, take mine. Take everything I have. Okay, I wouldn't really be offering up Jacob's brain or his heart. They're not his strongest features, but okay, I... I'm struggling to know what the hell that, that chapter title is a reference to. I mean, I get it's a reference to The Wizard of Oz, but I, like, I don't get its application in this book. You know what I mean? Anyway, okay. So he's running to the garage and he's thinking, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to crash that bloodsucker's car on my way back. So he's already saying that he's going to come back. <laughs> so there's no narrative stakes here. We're meant to think that he's, you know, running off, getting away from it all. But in the first sentence, he's already like, oh yeah, I'm coming back. This is just a little excursion. We're killing time while the baby develops. Like, you know, this is just a pointless exercise. But the keys don't unlock the Volvo. It unlocks an Aston Martin Vanquish. Okay. It's apparently a drool-worthy car. 
I'm not a car guy, so I, I guess I guess it sounds great. I mean, is, is Aston Martins, they're what James Bond drives, perhaps, maybe? I don't know. Anyway, so he's like, oh my God, Edward gave me the keys to the Aston Martin Vanquish? Whoa, how drool-worthy. He says, did he mean to give me the keys? And then he goes, I didn't pause to think about it. It's like, okay, well, you are thinking about it because we know your narration is just your inner monologue. Okay. And Jacob, remember, he's like a mechanic. He moonlights as a mechanic or something. So he, he knows cars. And he says, the sound of the motor's purr might've made me moan another day. Ugh. Ugh. See, I don't get these people, these guys or these girls and girls or these theys and thems who are so jazzed over a vehicle that they, that they moan over the sound of a motor. Like, that's just not me. I just, I, I don't know. I, I, I rarely moan about anything. Maybe when I'm listening to an original cast album from a Broadway show and I hear Bern- Bernadette Peters hit a high note, yeah, I'll let out a moan or two. I guess that's similar. I don't know. So he's moaning over the car, even though he should be devastated. And so he blows out of the garage, he blows out of the tunnel, and he goes onto the highway. And he can see Leah's face running along beside him. And he's like, I wonder what she thinks. Then he goes, actually, I don't care. (laughs) So then he goes south because he doesn't want to go north because there's ferries, there's traffic, there's tourists, all that crap. And so he's like, I just want a big city. And while he's driving, he also drives past what he thinks is Quill in wolf form, running along, doing surveillance of the city. So he gets to Seattle. And I bet you're thinking, what's his game plan? What's he doing? And well, he's trying to go to a busy area to try and see someone's face so he can imprint on them because he says he'd seen all the girls up in La Push and in Forks and on the Macar Res. He says, I need a wider hunting range. So he's intentionally trying to look at people to imprint on them. He's trying to force an imprint. (laughs) And he says, so how do you look for a random soulmate in a crowd? Well, first I needed a crowd. You can't deny his deductive reasoning. And he's like, where can I find a crowd? Like is Seattle that abandoned? And he says, I passed a couple of malls, which probably would have been a pretty good place to find girls my age. And oh, let me stop you there because methinks you might have better luck imprinting at maybe a daycare rather than a mall, Jacob, just a hunch. But then he doesn't stop at the malls and he thinks, did I want to imprint on some girl who hung out in a mall all day? Ugh. Like what? Like, I'm sorry. Just because you go and, okay, let's, let's, let's talk through it. So he wants a crowd, but he doesn't want to go to a mall because he thinks if he were to imprint on someone there, she'd be one of those girls that hangs out in a mall all day. Even though people go to the mall for however long they need to, and it doesn't mean that because that person's there at that time that they're a girl that hangs there all day. You know what I mean? And like, what's, what's the problem if someone hangs out at a mall all day? The whole point of you imprinting means you'll love them for who they are anyway. So regardless of how they spend their time, who are these mall people that he's not interested in finding? <laughs> And so then he goes, oh, oh, he goes, I kept going north and, you know, cause it got more crowded. And he goes, eventually I found a big park full of kids and families and skateboards and bikes and kites and picnics and the whole bit. Okay. That's, a, that's a lot of ends for one sentence. Um, but okay. Full of kids, full of kids and families and, and skateboards and bikes and kites. I, I'm not hearing females of his age there. Are you guys hearing that? Because I'd be avoiding a park full of kids if I was intentionally trying to imprint on someone. Like I joked about you going to a daycare earlier because like, that's what you want to avoid. So then he says, I parked across two handicapped spots, just begging for a ticket. Like his whole thing is he wants to sabotage Edward's life by giving him a parking ticket, which I don't really think is going to impact Edward that much at all. 
Um, but what about the handicapped people you're inconveniencing? Two spots? You're taking up two of the handicapped spots? You know, just one would have sufficed, but no, you're putting some other poor bastard who needs that space. You're putting them out. See, and he's like, go ahead, take my heart. You don't have a heart, buddy, because someone with compassion wouldn't park over two handicapped spots. One's bad enough. Just so Edward could potentially maybe get a ticket. But you're already planning on crashing the car. So that's, that's enough of an inconvenience for him. What a weird, weird little man this Jacob is. So then he's just trawling the park, walking up and down and around, looking at people. He's going up to people and staring at them in the face to see if he can force an imprint. What a psych. Can you imagine? If you're just trying to enjoy your day at the park, you're flying a kite, you're having a picnic and some guy keeps staring at you and staring at everyone, I'd call the police. He sounds like a prawler. I'd say there's some perv in the bushes staring at all the girls. Uh, arrest that man. And we get a, a really big insight into how he views other people. He's like, mm, she looks good. That one's wearing too much makeup. This one has a straight nose. Oh, that one should pull her hair out of her eyes. I was like, okay, are you a judge on drag race? Like, can you be a little less critical of people and their makeup and their hair? Like, what are you, Tyra Banks? Like, relax. And then he says, this one could do lipstick ads if the rest of her face was as pretty as her mouth. <laughs> Sorry. He pretty much called this poor girl an argo with a pretty mouth. <laughs> oh my God. And he thinks, yeah, sometimes they stared back. Sometimes they looked a bit freaked out. Sometimes they looked a little bit into it. It's like, okay, yeah, you big stud, they're into it. But he has no luck, he gets nothing. Even when I met the eyes of the girl who was, no contest, the hottest girl in the park, and probably in the city, and she stared right back with a speculation that looked like interest, I felt nothing. Again, I don't think with imprinting, they need to be hot, especially because you're going to imprint on a baby next chapter. Like, it doesn't matter how hot she is, if she's the hottest girl in the park or the city or the whole continental US. But my thing is, like, you also don't need to imprint on someone. You can just take her out on a date. Like, would it kill you to just go up to her and be like, oh, hey, how's it going? Um, yeah, I'm getting over my ex. I have baggage. But if you want to go out for some sushi or something, like I'm open to it. And she'd probably be like, leave me alone. I'm trying to enjoy a nice sunny day at the park. Fuck off. But like he's, the way he's acting is like that it has to be imprinting. And it's like, well, you know, a lot of people get over people. A lot of us human folks, we, we tend to not imprint on people and we find a way around navigating our love lives. Like, oh my God. For someone who hates imprinting so much, like he's never thought of any alternatives. It's like, well, I can't date someone unless I imprint on them. <laughs> then after a while, he just starts seeing Bella's features on other people's faces, like similar nose shapes, similar eyes. And it's like, oh boy. I need to remind you all that he never dated this woman. I think he forced a kiss on her once or twice. They never dated. She's married to someone else. She, she, was, she was clearly in love with someone else for the whole time that they were together. But yeah, she lights up when you walk in a room, but that doesn't mean you own her. This is so obsessive. It's kind of really gross. And then he gives up. He goes, oh, I give up. It wouldn't make sense to find her here anyway. If Sam was right, the best place to find my genetic match would be on La Push and no one there fit the bill. And if Billy was right, then who knew what made for a stronger wolf? So why are you here anyway, if you think it's not gonna work? Why you been walking around doing laps of the park, staring at people's faces, if you thought it wasn't gonna work? And also I don't see how you imprinting on a half human, half vampire baby in the next chapter is gonna make a stronger wolf. So then he's all depressed thinking that maybe 
He's also a genetic dead end, just like Leia. And then some nice little girl, she comes up and she's like, hey, did you steal that car? And he's like, no, I didn't, stupid idiot. I borrowed it, all right? It's not stolen. He snaps at her. She's like, I'm just making pleasant small talk. I'm trying to start a conversation here because I think you're cute and you were staring at me in the park. So excuse me for getting the wrong idea. And he goes, you need something? And she goes, just wondering about the bloody car. I saw you staring at me. You looked upset. Nice to meet you. I'm Lizzie. And he's like, oh, hi, Lizzie. Doesn't say what his name is. He's such a little bitch. He doesn't say anything. And she's like, okay, well, I was just wondering if I could help. Seems like you were looking for someone. And he goes, yeah, (laughs) that's all. And then she waits. And then finally he goes, I don't need help. She's not here. And she's like, okay, sorry. And then he looks again at Lizzie and he's like, "Mm, yeah, she's pretty. She's nice. Could she be the one? And then he's staring at her and then no. No, no imprinting. And then she says, this is a beautiful car. It's a shame they don't make them anymore. The Aston Martin Vanquish. And he's like, oh, wow, we wow. Mama Mia, a nice girl who knew cars as well. Ah. Oh. And so he stared at her face harder, wishing to imprint on her. He's like, you knew the name of the car. I just popped a boner. Let's do it. And now that her existence has been validated by knowing the name of the car, he's a little bit nicer, just partially. She says, how's it drive? And he goes, oh, like you wouldn't believe. And she smiles, he smiles back, but still no imprinting. He admits to himself that he needs to be in a healthier place, sort of like Leah, if the magic's not gonna save him, he's just gonna have to get over his obsession with Bella the normal way. Meanwhile, Lizzie's just still standing there waiting for a response. And eventually he's like, okay, well, I I better get this car back to who I borrowed it from. And she goes, okay. She tries to make some banter with him, but... You can't banter with him. So then he starts driving back to Forks. That was a nice fly in, fly out visit to Seattle slash Tacoma. And he's thinking about what his future will be like when Bella's like dead or a vampire. Will he put up with Leah? Will he kick Seth out of the pack? All that crap that he's been talking about and thinking about for chapters that we don't care about. We don't care about it. There's a demon spawn brewing in Bella's tummy. So why are we spending time with Jake in a park in Seattle? Like a ch- oh, what a halt in narrative momentum. This book was, okay, it wasn't good, but it was so fucking juicy at the start, wasn't it? With them going to Isle Esme, we had a wedding by like chapter three, we were getting sex, we were getting knocked up, there was feathers everywhere. Then she was eating a dozen eggs every day and then she found out she was pregnant and we were like, whoa, 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 it's all building up. And then, oof, 13 chapters of Jacob, just him running around the forest, complaining, whinging, listening to other people's whingy thoughts. Now when she's about to pop, we're, we're in Tacoma. We're doing laps of the bloody botanical garden, staring at people's faces and talking to some nice girl about the Aston Martin Vanquish, like, oh my God, spare me. So there's about six or seven paragraphs of him just driving back to the Cullen's house that I'm gonna fast forward over. So he pulls up into the garage and Edward's there waiting for him. And he's like, oh, that's a surprise. He's not usually out and about, not near Bella. But Edward's face is more peaceful than it's been in days. So now Jacob's annoyed again that Edward isn't on his side when it comes to the demon spawn. And that's when he goes, oh, I forgot to wreck the car. Oh, I had one, one thing on my to-do list and I forgot to wreck the car. And he didn't even get a ticket. I inconvenienced all of those disabled people, but oh, he didn't even get a ticket or a wrecked car. Like you really bombed that one, Jake. So Edward says a few things, Jacob. So, oh, okay. He says, I know how averse you are to using your authority with your pack, but if you can't or won't control Leah, then I, and he cuts him off and he's like, Leah, what'd Leah do? 
But it's like, okay, what do you mean can Jacob control Leah? If you've got an issue with Leah, Edward, why don't you go have that issue with Leah? Why are you going to go through Jacob? I get that he's the pack leader, but not really. He's mad at Leah for acting as an individual. So like, talk to her as an individual. Talk to her as a person. Don't go run into her pack leader because it's not about wolf business. So he explains that Leah came to see why Jacob had left so abruptly. Edward tried to explain it. And so she phased to her human form to speak to Bella. And Edward's like, I won't let Bella be upset like that again. I don't care how justified Leah thinks she is. I didn't hurt her. Of course I wouldn't, but I'll throw her out of the house if it happens again. Oh, poor Leah just gave a little bit of tough love to Bella. And now she's the worst person in the world. Five or six characters in this series have tried to kill Bella and Edward's not been as mad at them. But Leah just came up and said a few words to her in a human form, got her a little upset. And now she's the worst person in the world. Leah really cannot catch a break. And Jacob's like, could you maybe fill me in a little bit more thoroughly because this isn't making sense. And so Edward says, Leah was unnecessarily harsh. I'm not going to pretend that I understand why Bella is unable to let go of you, but I do know that she does not behave this way to hurt you. She suffers a great deal over the pain she's inflicting on you and on me by asking you to stay. What Leah said was uncalled for. Bella's been crying. Oh, really? Has she? Poor Bella. So I'm surmising that Leah just said, hey, mate, you're hurting Jacob's feelings. The way you're acting, stringing him along, even though you're married and pregnant, is not okay. And your actions have consequences, which fair enough, fair enough. But now Edward's like, oh my God, you hurt Bella's feelings. Oh, did she? Am I meant to feel sorry for Bella? Bella's dealt with worse than Leah. James tried to kill her. Laurent tried to kill her. Victoria tried to kill her. The Volturi tried to kill her. And now she's got a demon spawn inside of her that's killing her. And yet we're upset because Leah voiced an opinion. And Bella can't handle being called out for her shitty actions and her shitty behavior. And now it's Jacob's problem. And this is something Edward and Jacob need to talk about. A conflict and conversation between two women. And now we need to get it resolved from two separate men. Let them have their own battles. It's just condescending. I don't like it. And Jacob's like, oh, who would have believed it? Leah defending me. And then he says to Edward, like, all right, I'll talk to Leah about it. (laughs) Okay. Then they talk about how Edward can hear the little thing's thoughts. He says, I can make out the child's thoughts. It's apparent that he or she has remarkably developed mental facilities. He can understand us. Okay, so he went with the he or she, and then he immediately switched to just he pronouns. What's wrong with a they, them? I just, it's annoying me. It's annoying me so much. He says, he seems to have a vague sense of what hurts her now. He's trying to avoid that. He loves her already. So the baby loves Bella. How about that? I mean, it is kind of interesting that the baby is aware that it's hurting its mum while it's kicking around in the womb. So now it's intentionally trying to like stay still. I mean, that's fascinating stuff. Then he fills him in. Carlisle's not back yet. He's still out trying to hunt down some more blood because they're really churning through the blood supply. But as soon as he gets back, they're going to try and deliver the baby ASAP because even though the child's trying to avoid rough movements, it's difficult and he's becoming too big. And he's clearly developed beyond what Carlisle had guessed and Bella's too fragile. So they need to get him out straight away. And that really upsets Jacob because he thought he had four days left with Bella, but it's happening like pretty soon. And he's like, oh no, four days, I don't have time. And so Jacob says to Edward, 
you think she's going to make it? And he says, yes, that was the other thing I wanted to talk to you about. And Jake doesn't say anything. And then it's silent. It says, after a minute, he went on. So they just stood there in silence for a whole minute. (laughs) Oh, that's awkward. And so Edward says, waiting as we've been for the child to be ready, that was insanely dangerous. Blah, 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 blah. Now that I've convinced Bella and Rose that it's safe for the child if we proceed, there's nothing to keep this from working. He says, I'm truly sorry for the pain this causes you, Jacob. They're talking about turning her into a vampire. He says, I'm sorry about this. Though you hate me, I must admit that I don't feel the same about you. I think of you as a brother in many ways. Mm. Do we really buy that? Why would Edward think of Jacob as a brother at all? I mean, a son-in-law probably, but a brother? I'm not buying that. He says, a comrade in arms at the very least. I'm not buying that. He says, I regret your suffering more than you realize, but Bella is going to survive. And I know that's what really matters the most to you. And he's like, yeah, sure. And he goes, so I hate to do this, but um, I have to ask for something. And Jacob's like, oh, what do you want? And he says, I know how much you have given, but this is something you do have and only you. Is this where the Wizard of Oz comes into it? Unclear. I'm speaking this of the true alpha, Jacob. I'm asking this of Ephraim's heir. This is a big preamble to the ask. I mean, before he even spoke, he was like, oh, I've got to ask something of you. And then he went and blabbed, 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 blabbed. Okay, and now he says, I want your permission to deviate from what we agreed to in our treaty with Ephraim. I want you to grant us an exception. I want your permission to save her life. You know, I'll do it anyway. <laughs> You know, I'll do it anyway, but I don't want to break faith with you if there is any way to avoid it. Blah, blah, blah. I want the alliance between our families to survive when this is over. So he's asking for Jake to overrule Sam's authority, become the official pack leader so that he can then make an exception to the treaty. But in the same breath, he's acknowledging that he's going to do it anyway. So how is that a show of good faith? It's kind of toothless to make out like this is a show of faith when you're gonna do it anyway. Jacob's initial reaction is to be like, now you gotta talk to Sam. And Edward says, no, Sam's authority is assumed. It belongs to you. You won't take it from him, but no one can rightfully argue to what I'm asking except for you. And he's like, it's not my decision. And Edward's like, it is your decision. Your word on this will condemn us or absolve us. Only you can give this to me. Oh boy, so we had this whole big conflict brewing for books about this treaty. We have this predicament where Bella must be turned and in the act of them turning this human, they'll be breaking the treaty and then it'll be war between the wolves and the vampires. We've been talking about this since like the end of New Moon. And yet now, because Stephanie Meyer hates conflict so much, we've got another loophole. So yep, they can just make an exception to the treaty and then... (laughs) No issues. Who knew it would be that easy? And so Jacob thinks about it for like a hot second and he goes, yeah, all right. So that's that everyone. (laughs) Crisis averted. So with that done, they start to walk back up to the house and they see Seth. So Jacob says to Seth, hey, tell your sister to back off now, okay? Enough. So instead of Jacob talking to Leah, he's now outsourcing it to Seth. So Leah confronts Bella over Bella's actions Bella has a little whinge. Edward then takes on Bella's fight to Jacob, who then takes it on to Seth to then pass on to Leah. Can, can we not just get Leah and Bella in a room to sort it out themselves? And Seth nods because he's like, okay, you can outsource to me. You're the pack leader. 
And Jacob says to him, get back to work. I'll spell you in a bit. I don't understand what that means. I think that must be like a a regional dialect. I'll spell you in a bit. I've never heard that expression before in my life. Um, I guess it means I'll, I'll see you in a bit. I'll fill you in later. I don't know. And so Seth walks off and Edward says, he has one of the purest, sincerest, kindest minds I've ever heard. You're lucky to have his thoughts to share. Like, okay, Edward, what, you want to blow him? Like, what, where is this coming from? Your wife's upstairs with, with a, okay, maybe not a demon baby, but a baby about to burst out of you. And here you are commenting on how nice Seth's thoughts are. Then they hear the sound of someone sucking blood through a straw and they're like, oh, Bella's up. We thought she was asleep. So they race in. And he's like, oh my God, sorry, Bella. I only just left because I thought you were asleep. And she's like, don't worry about it. I woke up, kid's hungry, I'm hungry. I needed a cup of blood. And then Bella makes eye contact with Jacob and she feels awkward because of mean, horrible Leah and all of the true things that she said to Bella. And Jacob's like, oh my God, she's trying not to cry. Poor Bella. He thinks I wanted to punch Leah right in her stupid mouth. How dare she hurt poor, innocent, sweet, fragile Bella. And he says, when I stared into her eyes, I saw everything that I'd been looking for in the park. But tomorrow she'd be dead or a vampire. (laughs) So yeah, that ship sailed. Also, she's married and pregnant. I think he leaves out the fact that she doesn't want to be with him. She sort of, yeah, doesn't allude to that. Also, okay, so is it Renesmee in her tummy that's making her so attracted to Jacob's presence? I feel like that's the implication. And yet now we know Edward can hear the kids' thoughts. So I, I don't know if the kids raised the alarm that they might be attracted to this weird werewolf guy that's been hanging around. I don't know. I don't know. Let's put a pin in that for a few seconds. So he's looking at Bella and he's like, okay, okay, yeah. I'll um, tell them that killing Bella won't violate the treaty. And he thinks to Edward, The others will just have to blame me. You're right. They can't deny that it's my right to agree to this. And it's like, well, maybe they can. I mean, because they do have a different pact leader. And like, if you're going to assume leadership of the pact, maybe that needs to be sorted before you make treaty decisions. So Bella and Jacob make some chit chat. But then the cup of blood that Bella had (laughs) resting on the sofa tumbled and the dark red blood spilled out onto the couch fabric. And I was thinking, oh my God, I hope Jasper's not around. He's going to go ballistic. But what really happens is stupid Bella, she bends to try and catch the mug of blood, even though she's in a room full of vampires who have a super quick speed. She's the one who takes it upon herself to try and do that. And she must like, I don't know, twist the wrong way. And it's like, the baby's coming. She's on the floor a second later, screaming in agony. Her body's twitching and then she vomits a fountain of blood. And that's the end of that chapter. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Then we go to chapter 18. There are no words for this. And yet he, he does then produce many words about what's going on. So yeah, this is the big one. This is Jacob's last POV chapter. Shit's about to go down. So blood's everywhere. Vampires are still hanging around Bella, really not that fussed. Rosalie's grabbed Bella. Edward's shouting out for the morphine. Rosalie says Alice get Carlisle on the phone. Alice, who's completely useless, didn't see any of this coming. They go to the library where they've sort of set up like a mini hospital room. Rosalie puts Bella down and starts taking her clothes off while Edward stabbed a syringe into her arm. And okay, just a reminder, we're still in Jacob's POV. So he says, how many times I had him? Oh God, I can't even say it. How many times had I imagined her naked? Now I couldn't look. I was afraid to have these memories in my head. Like, is, is now the time to comment on how you're seeing her naked for the first time? She's going through the most traumatic pregnancy in existence. She's dying and you're like, wow, look at those cans. I wish I saw those cans under better circumstances. Oh, what a horrible POV. So they sort of say that the placenta's detached and is now suffocating him. And Bella's screaming, get him out, get him out. He can't breathe. And Edward's like, oh, but the morphine hasn't hit your system yet. And she's like, just fucking do it. So then it says... Alice darted into the room and clipped a little blue earpiece under Rosalie's hair. So I guess Carlisle's on the phone talking Rosalie through the operation via Bluetooth. I get the whole they had to leave town to go and hunt and get blood supplies and all that shit. But could the doctor maybe not have stayed with the patient? Especially because the baby was growing at a rapid rate. Why would you leave? Why would you guesstimate from the size of her belly when you haven't been able to perform ultrasounds or anything? You're like, oh yeah, she's got another couple of weeks based on the size of her belly. Like, no bitch, stay with the patient. Send Esme to go and get the blood. Why is he not there? That is just the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And then Rosalie's got a scalpel. I thought the whole big thing was that they couldn't cut into Bella's amniotic sac or whatever because it's made out of, I don't know, concrete or some shit. But- Okay, no, yeah, all right. So they're just using a scalpel to, to get to that point and then they'll use the teeth perhaps. Who knows? So Edward's like, you got to let the morphine spread, babe. You got to let the morphine spread. And Rosalie's like, no, fuck that. He's dying. We got to work a little bit quicker. So she's just really like carving into Bella. But then Rot Row, while she's doing that, she starts to get bloodlust. The poor bitch now is hungry with all this blood flying everywhere. So Edward's like, oh my God, Rose, quick stop, Rose, Rose. So then Jacob has to launch over to Rosalie. 
knock her over so she doesn't now eat Bella. She stabs Jacob with the scalpel and he's smashing his hand against her face to block her nose and mouth so she can't smell the blood. But also he hates her, so he does kick her in the guts as well. (laughs) And so she goes flying across the room from the kick. The speaker in her ear, the little Bluetooth connection, crackles into a million pieces. And then Alice is yanking Rosalie trying to get her out of the room. And Jacob's like, well, I got to give it to Blondie. She didn't put up a fight. She wanted us to win. She let me trash her like that to save Bella. So, you know, good for her. And then he's like, well, to save the thing. Then in the other room, Edward's like, Jacob, Jacob, I need you. Like, hurry the hell up, get back in here. And Jacob's like, what, what do you need me for? And he goes, CPR, I need you to do CPR. (sighs) So here's the thing. Vampires aren't meant to breathe, but these ones do. So I think they're doing the whole, Jacob, you're the only like person here who breathes. You're the one that has to perform CPR. Like Edward can breathe. He just doesn't need to, but he can and does. Like the very fact that they were just trying to block Rosalie's nostrils and mouth from her breathing in indicates to me that they breathe. I just, uh, okay, but no, we've got to outsource to the, to the human-ish person. So now he's doing the CPR because they're just pretending that vampires all of a sudden don't breathe. Or I guess they breathe, but do they have oxygen? I don't really know how CPR works apparently, but I'm getting all worked up. Can a vampire give CPR even if they can breathe? I mean, uh, someone let me know. So Edward's like, Jacob, get her breathing. I got to get this little shit out of her. And Bella's spine's cracking in two. <laughs> so, it's so full on. And Jacob's like, just get it out of her. She won't feel anything now. Like we're well past the morphine stage. Like her spine just broke. And now Jacob's giving her CPR and you can bet he's thinking like, oh, all the times I thought about kissing her naked body, but not like this. And then he hears a sound like metal being shredded and he looks and it's Edward with his face up against the baby bump using his vampire teeth to tear through the skin of the embryonic sack. Oh boy. So he's doing the CPR and then Edward yanks out the baby and he goes, oh, Renesmee. So he's co-signed on the name Renesmee. She was just floating around the idea just the other day, just tossing ideas into the air. And I guess, I guess he liked it because now he's saying, oh, look, it's Renesmee. I would have maybe circled back and had a second glance at the list of names and maybe rethought that one. But yep, no, they, they name it Renesmee. Oh boy. And Jacob takes this moment to like remind us of how dumb Bella is and how she always gets everything wrong because she got the gender wrong. (laughs) So Bella is half dead, but she's like, let me look at her. Let me look at her. Meanwhile, I think Jacob's still like CPRing her. So he's way up in the action and Edward leans the baby towards Bella, but he doesn't look, he doesn't look at the baby. He says, something warm touched my arm. That right there should have caught my attention. Nothing felt warm to me. Okay. So we know from reading the past, however many chapters of Jacob's POV, that everything that he's saying to us is what he's thinking in his head in that moment, because Edward and all the other wolves are reacting to his inner monologue. So everything that he's narrating, he is thinking. We know this. But he's just like changed tenses on us. Because now he's saying, oh, that should have caught my attention implying that it didn't catch his attention. And yet he's telling us about it. So it, it must've caught his attention in the moment or else now we're in the past tense. Anyway, it's signaling to us that something's going on with this baby and Jacob's gonna imprint on the baby. We all know this. So Bella's like, oh wow, look, she's so pretty. But then the baby, Renezme, takes a bite of the mum. He looks down and there's a bite mark on her breast and blood everywhere. So little baby Renezme, took a chunk out of her 
Edward was trying to tell us that, oh no, the baby doesn't want to hurt her. The baby loves her. The baby's not moving in the womb just so it won't break her back. And yet, as soon as the baby's out, it's like, nah, and taking a bite out of her. So that's not a good sign. If you're team, everything's gonna be all right with the baby. That's not a good sign. That's a red flag. Unless you buy into the theory that Renesmee has vampire venom and she was just trying to turn Bella early because she knew that Bella was dying. So that's like a really smart newborn baby. The baby's like three seconds old and the baby decided to do that on a whim. So I don't, I don't know if that theory holds weight. So yeah, then she continues dying. He's doing the CPR. He can feel her heartbeat giving out. And so then Jacob says, all right, Edward, what the hell are you waiting for? Gets to it. Let's turn this chicken to a vampire. And Edward says, take the baby. And Jake says, throw it out the window, which is just so funny. But now that Rosalie's had a five second breather, she's fine. So she's back in the room and she's like, I'll take the baby. I'm all, I'm all good. I've got it under control. So then Edward, he whips out a syringe filled with his venom. Not sure how he got his venom into a syringe. I'd like to get the backstory on that because I'm, I'm, I can't even think of how he would have done that. But so he starts shooting venom through the syringe into her body in a bunch of different places, which I don't think you should reuse syringes, but it doesn't matter. This is, a, this is a special situation. So while he's doing that, Jacob's still doing the CPR. And then Edward's kissing all of her little wounds, all of the tears in her skin, trying to heal them, using the venom to heal her or some shit. I don't understand it, but it's not working. He's, he's doing the CPI, he's doing the compressions, he's doing the breathing. Edward's shooting venom all over her, but nothing. And he says, I'm working over a corpse. And he's like, rot row, Bella's dead. And he does a Humpty Dumpty illusion. He says, all the king's horses, all the king's men couldn't put Bella together again, which is, seems a bit on the nose. You know what I mean? We're getting Wizard of Oz references last chapter. Now we're getting the Humpty Dumpty reference. Like the love of your life just died and you're, you're alluding to Humpty Dumpty. That doesn't really ring true for me. Like, I don't think Jacob's someone who's quoting fairy tales all the time. And then Jacob says, I knew she was dead. I knew it for sure because the pool was gone. I didn't feel any reason to be here beside her. She wasn't here anymore. So he feels no pull towards her because I think the pool was always to her ovaries or something. And then he says, or oh, maybe the pool had moved. It seems like I felt the pull from the opposite direction now from down the stairs out the door which is where I think little baby Ratatouille has gone to. So he's already feeling the pull towards Ratatouille. So he walks outside. He's like, I gotta get out of here. I'll leave Edward with his dead. Sucked in Edward, your girlfriend's dead, your wife's dead. He feels empty. He feels like he's lost his purpose. Saving Bella was his fight for so long and now she can't be saved, blah, blah, blah. So he goes downstairs. Rosalie's on the other end of the sofa. Her back is to him and she's cooing and murmuring to the blanket wrapped thing in her arms. And he's like, well, Rosalie's happy. She got what she wanted. Rosalie is so jazzed. She's having the best day of her life, honestly. She's like, this is great. Got rid of Bella, got a baby. I'm happy. And Rosalie's also feeding little rhinoplasty some blood and Jacob's sickened by it. He's like, oh, of course that little monster wants to drink blood. May as well go upstairs and have a little nosh on Bella's blood because it killed Bella. He says, my strength came back to me as I listened to the sound of the little executioner feeding. And so, and then he's like, oh, you know what? I hate this little monster. I hate that stupid little thing. So he's like, you know what? Maybe I will kill it. He's like, Sam was right. It's an aberration. Its existence went against nature. It's a demon. It killed Bella. I'm gonna kill it. 
So Jacob's downstairs thinking about how he's going to kill this baby and Edward can hear thoughts, but I guess Edward must be a little distracted with his dead wife because he doesn't come downstairs and try and stop Jacob at all. (laughs) I don't know. Is that a plot hole? I guess, yeah, his mind's elsewhere, but Jacob's downstairs thinking about how he's going to kill his kid. You'd, You'd think that would pop up through the fog, through the fog and the trauma of your wife dying. You'd think you'd hear it because he, he just, he said a few chapters ago, he's so in tuned with Jacob now he can hear him from miles off. And yet Jacob's just downstairs thinking about how he's going to murder his kid and he doesn't, he doesn't get up. And then Jacob's thinking about how he made that promise to Edward that if Bella died, he'd kill Edward. And then he goes, "Mm, you know what? No, no, I don't have enough compassion for that. Why should I let him get away from what he'd done? Wouldn't it be more fair, more satisfying to let him live with nothing, nothing at all? And he thinks that's a good plan, but we know Edward. He's not going to live for one day longer without Bella. He'll find a way to die without you, Jacob. I wouldn't be feeling too smug. So now Jacob's like almost smiling, thinking about how many people he's going to try and kill today. (laughs) So he's like, all right, let's do it. I'm going to kill the baby first. Let's go. So he walks towards Rosalie and the baby. He leans forward to strike, but then he feels the pull and he thinks it's the pull of a killer, of an alpha trying to destroy its prey. But then he clocks eyes with the little baby and he says it's warm brown eyes, the color of milk chocolate, the exact same color that Bella's had been. And then heat flooded through him, but it was a new kind of heat, not a burning. It was a glowing. Everything inside him came undone as he stared at the tiny porcelain face of the half vampire, half human baby. All the lines that held him to life were sliced apart in swift cuts. He was disconnected from himself. Everything about him floated up into space. And now there was a new string holding him where he was. Not one string, but a million. Not strings, but steel cables tying him to this one thing, to this very center of the universe. He says, the gravity of earth no longer tied me to the place where I stood. It was the baby girl in the blonde vampire's arms that held me here now. Renesme. He says, oh my God. So he's imprinted on Renesme. I mean, we've been preparing for this since I started covering this book, but I don't think you could prepare yourself for an imprint on a child, Uh, a minutes old child. And I get that it's not sexual, blah, 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 blah. And yet we have spent chapters discussing the purpose of imprinting and how it's to create better wolves through genetic reproduction. So, huh. And we're going to have to dive into that later. So then we get a paragraph break and it says from upstairs, there was a new sound. The only sound that could touch me in this endless instant, a frantic pounding, a racing beat, a changing heart. So upstairs, Bella's becoming a vampire. Talk about shit going down. That was a good chapter. We had a fight scene. We had him imprinting on a baby. We have Bella turning into a vampire. All this stuff we've want. Well, actually we really wanted a couple of those things. So I, could have, I could have done without the baby, but Bella's finally a vampire. I remember when I first read Twilight, when I got to the end, I was like, oh great. This must be the chapter where he turns her into a vampire. And then nah, that didn't happen. It was just a fucking prom. I got duped thinking, that she was going to go get changed. And he said, surprise, you're going to dance to your prom in a moon boot. We'll spend some time in a gazebo and have a little dance. It'll be fun. And I'm like, oh boy, I thought you were going to become a vampire. So I've been waiting for this for a long time and it's finally happened. That's the end of that chapter. That's the end of Jacob's POV. That's the end of book two. Now we go to book three, Bella. And we'll have to pick that one up next week. We'll see what the fallout is from all that action. And I'll spell you guys in a bit. I'll spell you next week. Bye.
Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.